Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hello, Coach Lauren. How are you doing this week? Hello, Coach Joe. I'm doing great. How about you? <laughs> Calling me coach, huh? That's good. Yes. I think I prefer father, father dearest. Father dearest. Man, that's a little creepy. <laughs> well you are my daughter so there you go how about coach father that's good okay. that's good uh let's see today we have a really interesting i think uh podcast because it's something i think most people most people not all people but most people can relate to and and the title is why we care about what people think mm. Do you care about what people think of you? I do. I try not to. Okay. <laughs> but you would agree that what people think matters, right? I think that it matters a lot to people because people are definitely seeking validation. So yes, I think that for everyone, it's like the human condition in some ways. Okay. But, you know, someone who is insecure or suffering from low self-esteem they really depend on people telling them how great they are, or how great their accomplish, accomplishments are. So for these people, there's one song they yearn to hear. Any idea what that song is? Hmm. <laughs> Something about... Do, 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 do. Can't think of it, huh? Well, you ready? Yeah, I know. You ready I, for this? I'm ready. Here we go. So what, what I think is important in that song is the verse that says, and so say all of us, you see, and so say all of us. It's that consensual validation. You just mentioned that earlier. That seems to be so important. So let me ask, how come we have problems telling ourselves that we're jolly good or mm. not? First of all, congratulations on pulling that song out of God knows where. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, and your question is, why do we seek? Well, like the, the, where I got that song from is I play it for myself all the time when, I, when I'm walking around the house. Um, because I get very little uh, accolades from my family these days. Oh, please. <laughs> um yeah, well, I I think that people generally are looking for others to to build them up and to validate the things that are that that they know that people know to at the at their core 
that they are good and that they are enough and that they are loved. But a lot of times that is difficult to access. And so instead of being able to learn to trust that from within, we seek it from others. It's almost, it feels easier for others to tell us you know, than you know, but, for us to but tell But some ourselves. people, you know, you say it's it's in there and it's the core, but some people, they, they really are unaware. I mean, it's low, let's call it low self-esteem people. These, these are very hypersensitive people who, who look at themselves as being very fragile, uh, a very fragile sense of self. They're easily wounded. This, you know, they're just hyper alert, hyper vigilant for rejection, feeling inadequate, being challenged. So explain to me, you, you feel it's, it's sacrosanct, it's down there. It's just is what masked by these hypersensitivities? Yes. I think it's innate in all of us that when we enter the world, we are love and and we are able to access that from a from an early age. And then because of conditioning and societal pressures, we start to sometimes mask that innate sense of self-love and self-compassion. Yeah. And I guess I guess I, I do agree because I, you know, I'm kind of one of the tabla rasa type of guys where we, we, we come mainly into this world with a blank slate, and that's the tabla rasa. And, and our experiences, I mean, yeah, we have predispositions, predispositions, excuse me, and uh, we have, you know, genetic implications and all this kind of stuff that influences who we are. But, but nevertheless, I think by and large, we are a blank slate that environment, social, family, these are all imprints that shape us and direct us into certain ways. Hypersensitivity, I've always wondered about that. I mean, I think, I think I'm a, a kind of sensitive person. I'm not insensitive. But I think you have to look back to your early environment growing up. What, what kind of influences do you think sets the stage for someone being either insecure or hypersensitive? I think when people's basic needs aren't met, so whether or not it's a form of neglect or a form of uh, abuse in some way, and and I know those terms sound like very heavy but and they are but there's also i think just generally you know if you're a child whose parents are working all the time and are really busy and you don't get the attention or the presence from your parents like that's a really it sounds very benign like of course the parents have to work and they're not intentionally ignoring their child and yet those sort of wounds can actually translate into somebody who's very needy and doesn't mm. trust in their in their self yeah, I mean, you, you being a former classroom teacher, well, I'm talking more physically when the classes were, were <laughs> occupied. Um, now, you must see the ongoing shaping influences from other kids, bullies, uh, kids that kind of sit in the back and just don't, don't raise their hand, the shy kids, I, shyness itself. So give me an idea of what, what some of those shaping influences that you see young children going through. Well, it depends on the child's personality, obviously, but you can sort of tell whether someone is extremely introverted and has no self-confidence. Um, that's always sort of a red flag. And then also the kids who take out their inner turmoil on others, there's always pain underlying that. 
they say the kids that are hardest to love are the kids that need the most love. That's interesting. Yes, that's a good point. A very good point. And and I think that you, you mentioned that you know it's they have certain personalities. So you're saying even by kindergarten and later that there is a distinct personality already established. So that that kind of begs the question that a lot goes on at a very young age. And you mentioned parent and parenting and even you know with emotionally distraught families, you know, especially with this COVID and what's going on at home and you know, alcoholism and problems at the home, these are all shaping influences that may leave a, a child not only hypersensitive, but terribly vulnerable and wounded. Mm -hmm. So so we all, we all have our personalities shaped. And I always say to people that, gee whiz, you know, everybody has insecurity. You know, I, I don't think I've ever met someone well i guess there's some narcissists around who who say they're they have no insecurity but but by and large i think we all have some insecurity can we start with that premise that somehow we can all relate to wanting to be liked and that we all have some insecurity that that validation just makes us feel good absolutely yes yeah. So, okay, so how do you tell if you're hypersensitive? Well, let me tell you a few things that to me would indicate it, okay? Okay. Okay, what about you see only negatives and then you dwell on those negatives? Mm. Are we talking hypersensitive or insecure? I think it's the same thing. Interesting, okay. I mean, let's, that's a good point. I'm glad you bring that up. I think I'm, I'm inadvertently using those terms interchangeably. Because I would argue that I am a hypersensitive person in that I feel sensitivities very deeply for myself and for others. Like I react to emotion quickly, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily think that I'm insecure. I was just thinking hypersensitive on its own could just mean that you are very heightened to the emotions and feelings mm -hmm. of yourself and others. So I, I tend to feel things deeply but i don't necessarily feel like i'm insecure so i for me it just those two definitions were, were opposite but now you're not getting insecure talking about this are you <laughs> no not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think it's the hyper sensitive i, I think, okay i mean i agree i agree you are sensitive but in, in a good way i mean i think I think sensitive people are are what give our world, you know, the rainbow colors, you know, and and they are very connected to other people and they're caring and all of this good stuff. Insensitive people may be on the other extreme, uh, and they may be isolating themselves from vulnerabilities by disconnecting from their world and people. So, mm -hmm. so you are anything but insensitive, but the hypersensitive—that's a person who suffers. Okay. I mean, that's a person that who really cares, you know, what people are saying about them. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I was working with a patient a few, a few weeks ago who, who was ruminating and reminiscing about a slight that took place two years ago, mm. and he's still ruminating about it. Uh, so, you know, we, we have this, this, this hypersensitive kind of person who's saying, I can't get over this. I can't get over having this person say what they said to me, and I just can't get over it. Right. And there's a part of that person that's attaching their self-worth to a comment that somebody else made. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So comments that other people make. So 
what are we doing? Are we basing who and what we are by these externals? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I do think that we look to others to prove our worth. Yeah. But why can't we, why can't we confirm, a, why can't we look inside and just know who and what we are and, and that should be enough? Why is it never enough for some people? It's, it's hmm. up to you to sort of understand who you are first and others can't possibly know that before you do. Okay. Understanding who you are first. Now, again, I come back to, well, the person who, who really doesn't have access to their core. For this person, I think, I think we have to talk a little bit about, well, how, how do we open things up a bit so they can get in touch with that more pristine self? Now, you know, I'm, I'm really into habits and that we, we are the end result of the habitual thinking and patterning in our lives. So I think, I think we have to start with, you know, separating facts from emotional fictions. You know, the person that just says, I'm a failure, I'm no good, I'm not as good as, they're, they're reflecting habitual patterning from way back. So I, I think we have to start by, would you agree, raising consciousness? Yes, consciousness and awareness as well. Okay, so, so let's say you catch yourself saying, I just don't feel as good as the people I work with. Uh, I just feel inadequate. W what would be a way that we could develop some awareness and some openness in that person? Hmm. F first, noticing that those are the thoughts that you're having and then challenging them. Actually trying to decide, first of all, if that's actually true, because a lot of times the insecurity in us will create thought patterns that aren't based on truth. And so as, as we realize them, we can actually, with my students at school, I call it play thought detective, where you actually search for facts and evidence to prove whether or not your thoughts are true. Um, and obviously- well, 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 Hang on a second. That's, we've got to stick with that a second. Uh, maybe that's where you were going. That's critical. I like that a lot. Let's all become thought detectives. Can you just elaborate more? That's, that's really good stuff. Sure. There's often when we notice a negative or worried thought, um, many times that thought is not based on truth. It's, it's based on our mind's way of protecting us and keeping us small and holding us back so that we don't risk um, being in a position that's uncomfortable. And so when you notice the thought, um, you kind of pin it against some of the evidence and facts that is absolutely true. So an example from a class I was teaching yesterday was a little girl who said that her worried thought was that she had a math test that she was afraid she was going to fail. And then as we played thought detective, like the facts were that she had been paying attention during class. She had studied with both of her parents. She had gotten almost all of her homework correct. And like she had a good night's sleep and ate a breakfast that morning. Mm -hmm. So like every single fact proved that she probably was going to do great on the test. So this worry about failing, she was able to try and like let that go because it wasn't actually a realistic worry or thought. And so by sort of counterbalancing a negative worry with thought with with evidence and facts that 
you know, mm. prove that it's not really true. Um, it helps you at least bring awareness to the fact that like, wow, this is my mind kind of creating a story that isn't something yeah. I have to believe in. So, so for, for adults, let's say someone is anticipating and worrying, uh, we, we have to ask the question, is this, and I think just by starting out by asking the question, is this a fact or is this an emotional fiction? And, and we mentioned earlier how emotions can cloud, you know, what's factual and what isn't. But, but just by asking that question kind of puts you in the middle of really scrutinizing and becoming a thought detective. So, so if, I'm, if I'm anticipating uh, that, that my, my car, which is now beginning to age, is going to break down, and I, I'm, I'm really worried about that happening on the road, and I'm sitting here now in the office, and I'm thinking about breaking down on the road, I have to ask myself, now, wait a second, I'm getting anxious just thinking about my car breaking down. Obviously, that's not a fact. So why, why am I allowing myself to get anxious? So, and that's the key is, is that we allow ourselves to be hijacked by emotional fictions. And, and I think that once you begin to realize how, how easy it is to become hijacked by old patterns, old habits, emotional fictions, when we, we just don't scrutinize them and we become opaque or unconscious to those thoughts, then we, we lose our, our bearings and we are more or less conforming to the fictions of our lives and the patterns go on repeating and repeating and repeating, nothing changes. So this is what you see with, with uh, neuroticism. You know, it's just, you know, the old notion, if you keep doing the same thing and getting the same results, why would you expect it to be different? You know, we've got to change. And the most important thing is we have to change by challenging what are the facts? What are the fictions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and in in the case of you know having thoughts about not being good enough or worrying what other people are thinking, I think another thing to just keep in mind is that the things that we notice and focus on as our weaknesses that we're so sure are blatantly obvious to the world are things that other people hardly ever even notice. Um, I just I remember last year. I was running late for school and I had noticed that like my shirt was on like um, backwards, you know, and so I was so hyper aware of this and couldn't wait to like get a moment to go and change but I didn't have time because, you know, I was already running late and so I found myself telling people about this to justify you know, the fact that I had made this ridiculous mistake and, and everyone I told said, well, I, I would have never noticed, you know, and so in our Hello. mind, it's forefront to this thing we have to justify or fight against because nobody else usually is even noticing the things you're noticing. Uh, that's great. Hey, listen, this is totally irrelevant, but what you said just reminded me. Now, was it you or was it your brother, Justin, that I was, uh, when mom was teaching and I worked afternoons and evenings, uh, I was able to take you guys to school, especially when you were very young. So I would get you guys dressed and get you off to school. Who was it? Was it you or your brother that I sent to school in their pajamas? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I mean, come on. To this day, you know, mom will bring that up occasionally because uh, it just showed my inattentiveness. But but to my credit, I mean, some some of your pajamas were pretty cool. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure I was very comfortable. Did so that shape you? you? Did that, that cause any, some of this, this insecurity stuff to happen? No, I think if anything, it would have made me more secure. Like I can, 
<laughs> did the kids my pajamas did, at school the kids didn't laugh at you or anything not that i recall no yeah i but still you, to you, this day love pajama day at school so maybe it imprinted that way i always wonder uh your your kindergarten teacher said that you were i hate to be <laughs> revealing all these <laughs> but she's we went for a teacher parent teacher conference and she said lauren well, it's like Saturday night at the Bijou with Lauren. <laughs> I don't know exactly what she meant. Always ready for a good time. <laughs> you, you were a wiggle worm. You like to move around. You sure did. Mm -hmm. These shaping influences, we, it's so important to me, you know, with all of my self-coaching, that we, we develop our, our mind talk away from the negatives. Uh, I think it's important to get away from negative thinking in general. And, and, and I think it's, you know, what we're talking about consciousness and awareness, facts versus fictions. Uh, one of the things we, we fall prone to when we start to getting into that negativity is when we compare ourselves to other people. Boy, that's a, that's a dagger in the heart, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's so typical. So many people are prone to that. Uh -huh. uh, I think people, you know, kind of operate from this place of scarcity where they, there's this core belief that like, there's not enough for everyone to be great. And so you kind of have to like compete in the arena to get, to yeah. become worthy or to feel worthy when the truth is that everybody is great at something and there's a way to feel worthy for yeah. who you are instead of comparing yourself to others. Actually, mom was just telling me last night about how she used to say when I was younger, you know, my brother, Justin, uh, was very gifted and um, went to an Ivy League school and was the president of the school. And he just, he had a, he has an, well, you know, he's president an, of a school. He was president of his class. Oh, well, okay. Let's, <laughs> we'll knock him down a notch. He's not, um, wasn't that precocious. <laughs> but he was, you know, he, he was kind of like a legend in our town growing up. So as his younger sister, uh, it was always interesting for people to meet me. And, I, you know, not that I wasn't intelligent, but I certainly wasn't on the same plane as he was in terms of Let me intellect. guess. Let me guess. You were, oh, you're Justin's sister. Exactly. That the yes. label. Um, that was that was the label for a while. Uh, but mom used to tell me, "You have intelligence that they can't measure." Meaning <laughs> there was a <laughs> there was an emotional aspect that I had that was different, um, and it was her way of just reminding me that you know, yeah, you can do well on tests, but that's not real life either. So even though and you know, even though being intelligent and having all of those skills is awesome, and you have an a and um, you know, an advantage in a lot of ways. There's also different talents in everybody that unfortunately in school is not necessarily always measured. And that's mm. something that I always remembered as a teacher too, you know, trying to find what is it about each kid that's special so that they don't feel the need to compare themselves to others because you know, even if they're not getting straight A's, well, maybe they're an, a great leader or a great artist or you know, there's always well, you something. are you are one hell of a podcaster. Oh, I thank you. And and you're right though. I mean, you you have talents. Uh, it, you know, you are a people talented person. You have instincts and intuition. You kind of see through things. You have this kind of people X-ray vision. I I think that's quite a gift, and it it comes into play in everything you do, and especially you know, what you do with children. I mean, you, you really do have uh, a sense 
you know, you can't teach that, you know, some of it you can, but you have a sense, an intuitive sense, and it's terrific. So, so it's, you know, comparing ourselves to people is such a ubiquitous problem for so many, you know, when we look at, you know, body shape and, and models and people in Hollywood and stars and, you know, and then, you know, especially for pre-adolescents and adolescents, you know, it's, it's very hard if you're making, and if everything is superficial and connected to body image. And I think that carries on too. Uh, I mean, just look at, you know, what, what people, look at the commercials on TV and what's being sold and you can look 20 years younger and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, we're always trying to say you can be different and better than you are. Nothing with wanting to improve, mm. but at the expense of rejecting who and what you are, it's, it's, a, it's really a dead end street, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say in, in that same vein, like instead of trying to compare yourself and trying to constantly look at what's wrong and what should be better, um, it's a fun exercise to give yourself an hour, a day, whatever it might be to just practice like radical self-love and allow yourself to just be as you are and, you know, actually set an intention that you're going to interact with that hour that day without any self-criticism, without any self aware And I, I, obviously it's easier said than done, but I've actually practiced this before where you allow yourself to just be fully present and like enjoy being you in your body with the people that you're around and um, just experiencing what that's like as a dichotomy to feel what it's like to to be yourself versus trying to always be someone else like there's so much more fulfillment and richness to life when you are actually enjoying what you are doing and who you are being is is radical self-love is that legal yes in all 50 states <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Okay. Hey, do you know what the number one fear that humans have is? Well, let's see. I guess I would guess public speaking. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say a lot of people say death, like a fear of dying. But public speaking is actually more um, feared than death, <laughs> which I find so interesting because I think it just comes down. It just comes down to the fact that people are so terrified of being judged and criticized. Yeah, and that brings us into the realm of social anxiety. Uh, social anxiety is, is a devastating problem. Um, you know, you, you don't realize it, but not only is it a matter of avoiding other people in contact, uh, but it's also just not being able to eat in public, for example, um, being unable to make eye contact. It, it's, it's a devastatingly uh, difficult way to live. Social anxiety is, you know, part of being hypersensitive, insecure, and, you know, it really has to do with, uh, I think, a radical change of breaking some of those habits, you know, we call it exposure kind of therapy, where you go out and start challenging these fictions with facts, and it takes a little courage, you know, to pick your head up and look somebody in the eye as opposed to turning away when you're walking down the hall, but the more you expose yourself to these situations and realize that there really is nothing behind them except insecurity, which is fiction-based, you know, then of course, it's again, back to the habits. It's, it's a matter of breaking habits by neutralizing these mm -hmm. with factual reality. The thought detective, we go back to that. Yeah, it's interesting, as you were saying this, I think back to 
when I was young. So in kindergarten, yes, I was Saturday night at the Bijou, but not with, uh, when it came to dealing with adults, I had a really difficult time expressing myself or looking in them in the eyes. I don't know where this fear came from, but I, until about second grade, like I remember, you know, always getting the feedback that you have to be able to speak to adults and be comfortable around adults that you don't know. Obviously I was fine with family and all. Uh, and I remember so vividly second grade, um, I had my new teacher, Mrs. Haresta, and I was all excited, but I also had like a little bit of hesitation and nervousness. And I remember Justin, um, my brother, who is very well equipped in his social interactions, he, he actually taught me or told me, he said, when you believe something about yourself, other people believe it too. And so if you believe that you're confident and you look into someone's eyes and you say good morning and you say it from a place of confidence, like that person is going to feel good and know that, you know, you feel good about yourself too. And, and he was basically saying that he was trying to teach me as a young kid that when you look down and you don't say hello to someone, that 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 mm -hmm. is hurtful to someone else. But I internalized that and it th that one direction changed everything. Uh, for me. And then it became kind of fun for me to experiment with that, where it was, you know, first I had to almost trick myself into feeling confident because I didn't, but I would sort of get myself all ready to practice this. And so then I would get excited to, to, you know, to try it out each day. Like, what can I say today and how can I do? It? And then afterwards I would feel proud of myself because it was actually difficult to do, but I knew that it meant something to somebody else. So that was my motivation. But understanding that when you first, from within, you can actually change the way you feel just by changing the way you think. Yeah. So that was important for me. Yeah, that's 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 really uh, very helpful because there's a saying, you know, fake it till you make it. And from a, you know, the behaviorist will tell us that to act as if. So even if it's not something that you are connected to, if you act as if you're a confident person, you don't have to believe it at first, but act that way, try it on for size, see how the world reacts to that. And as the world reacts to that change in your behavior, uh, what happens is that reinforces the habit now of acting more confidently. So, you know, I think it's important to act as if we like ourselves, we believe in ourselves, and, and if you can't figure that out, you know, I think you have to take a look at, well, depersonalize it and look at someone who you know or someone who you think uh, projects that same image of confidence and, and self-belief and, and, you know, ask yourself, you know, how, you know, how do they do it? What are they doing differently? Watch people, observe people. You've got to get a format and you've got to try to put that on for size. So acting as if. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there really is something behind believing that you don't need to expect a certain reaction from others. So really knowing that people are seeing the world from their own set of beliefs and judgments and perspective and that when people react to you in a certain way it really has nothing to do with you it has to do with the person and how they are sort of um, perceiving their reality so a lot of times people take things personally that makes it more difficult to be brave and bold and 
you know, to, to face your fears because you're afraid of what people might think. And mm -hmm. in the end, it, it actually, it, it's not reflective of you, what people think. So it's- yeah, but, but sometimes it is. And I just want to point this out because it's an important distinction. What, what you said is absolutely true. No, no problem at all with that. But sometimes uh, you have to realize that if we don't live up to our own moral code, Mm -hmm. um, and we do things and say things that aren't really who and what we are, then people will judge us according to that. The more consistent you are with who you are, the more your actions reflect that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, that you need to, you need to demonstrate your core. I think that I agree with you. And I, when I think about, you know, my own experience with the world, it's, it's a lot of times it's when I'm trying to accomplish something or I'm trying something new and maybe a little bit challenging or, yeah, I guess it's when I'm going into a new space, trying to accomplish something good. There's a fear of, of judgment of people thinking that, well, who are you to be doing this? And mm -hmm. you know, what, why, why do you think you're qualified or, or things like that? And so I think that's a very common fear. And so there are, and I know with social media today, it's, you know, people are afraid to even share things when it's coming from a good place that is aligned with who they are. Uh, they're afraid of all the people, like the haters who are going to, you know, make an issue out of what you are doing, even though it's coming from a place of, of good. And, and in those situations, it's so important for people to to notice or realize that those people are dealing with their own issues. It really can't possibly have anything to do with you. Yeah, that's, you know, being the millennial that you are, there I go again, baby boomer versus millennial, the war is on. <sighs> but but being being the millennial that you are, of course, social media to you is, is like breath to your lungs, you know, it's just, you, you need it to sustain yourself. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's like food for your belly. It's breath for your soul, whatever. Oh my gosh. You guys are really into the social media. And you take now, we're talking about low self-esteem, hypersensitive, insecure type of people. So for that type of person, you can only imagine when when someone starts, what do they call it? When when you burnt fire fires, what is it when you would trash somebody on social media? Troll? No, no, it's like I don't, uh, know. I don't know. I'm, I'm a baby boomer. What do I? Know? I don't know either. But, but saying it in baby boomer language, yeah. when people start piling on with negatives and they're attacking you, if if you don't have that inner core of confidence, of course, it's got to be devastating just mm -hmm. devastating because you're trying so hard to put out there in social media things that will make people like you people that will make people want to say positive things about you and you're trying so hard and for whatever reason someone gets in there and starts this firestorm of negativity uh it's it's got to be devastating so lauren you know what time it is It's time for a self-coaching pep talk. All right. And today's pep talk is, there is no pep talk. Oh, really? <laughs> I forgot to prepare. Oh, gosh. Talk. That's very deflating. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, man. Bummer. Um, yeah. <laughs> now we make one up. <laughs> okay. Let's make one up.
Um, let's see. Um, you first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? How about don't be afraid of making mistakes or using poor judgment. Do something that's a little bit embarrassing. Push yourself to those limits. Go over that edge and just be courageous enough to expose who you really are. Every day, life poses challenges. Get up to those challenges and you can do it. Hang from those rafters, stretch yourself and become something you're not. Become something better and better every single day. Oh. All right, <laughs> nicely done. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> So now we get into the closing word section of, and I know I keep hitting you this when you're never prepared for it, but you're, you're such a, a wonderful podcaster that, oh gosh. you know, you should be able to just jump right into those closing remarks because well, you don't compare yourself to others. Uh, you have this hypersensitivity that is positive in a hypersense. So put it to use right now. Okay. I want to just end with a quick story that came to my mind about not taking people's reactions personally and knowing that people are perceiving the world from their own perspective. Uh, because just a couple of weeks ago, I was checking out at the grocery store and I was trying to use a credit card and the credit card didn't work. And so then I was trying to use a different one because I guess like the chip was broken or whatever it was. And the lady that was behind me was visibly irritated because she was in a rush, obviously. And, you know, it was two tries and then the credit card machine itself broke and the woman starts um, throwing her things onto the thing and she's huffing and puffing. And, um, and then she started, you know, saying things that were really nasty and it took everything in me not to want to defend myself because in that moment I was able to sort of realize that whatever she was kind of throwing at me had nothing to do with me. There was something going on in her life that was causing her to act that way. And mm. so I actually stopped and said to her, you know, I'm so sorry, you must be having a really bad day. Like, why don't you go in front of me? Um, and I'd love to buy your coffee for you. Like I literally did the opposite wow. of what my instincts were. And she just started crying and she, she was like, thank you so much. You know, like my mother is really sick and I'm trying to get there to go visit her. And it was this whole realization that compassion is the thing that we need more of, not judgment. So compassion for self, huh. instead of judging ourselves, like find a way to be more compassionate well, and for others as well. It's so sweet. You know, if I were in that situation, uh, I, I doubt I would have handled it as graciously as you did. I, no, I don't doubt it. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, baby boomers are different. Millennials, I think, I think you guys are trying to be more sensitive to things like that and culture and all of that. Baby boomers are, um, well, I guess we could be disappointing at times to others. But I try, I try hard. So that's about it. I don't I don't have anything else. Is there any anything you want to sign off with? Uh, um, how about uh, anything in the realm of, uh, of thermodynamics? Not really thermodynamic. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm getting I'm like the, the person behind you on the counter. Come on, just do it. <laughs> For goodness sakes, you're sitting there. Just come up with something. What's happening over there in your life perspective? <laughs>
Oh man. Oh no. I guess, I guess, you know, unless, unless I've challenged you to the point where you decide you've had enough with being my co-host, uh, I will see you next week. Excellent. Sounds so, good. So you're, you're not over challenged and you will be here next week. Yes. As long as you have a pep talk prepared. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that. Uh, we were halfway through the uh, podcast and I realized I don't have a podcast, uh, a pep talk. You did oh, have a good play the music. Yeah, the music. he's a jolly good song. No, no, no. The da, 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 da. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But okay. that was just a little bit okay. but that's okay. <laughs> All right, next week. And visit our website, by the way, selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me every week and let's make it Believe simple together. Yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on.